0: Hey legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Galaxy Finance. Call them on 1300 740 The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legends Series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. This one, it's quite the journey. It's about discipline, desire and love. Love for the game, for the moment. It's about being the best version of yourself and success. But who is John Wayne Parr? Alright, who is
1: John Wayne Parr? Uh, I'm a ten-time world champion, um, Australian boxing champion and um, I consider myself a a white tie after living in Bangkok for uh, five years. So after, after living on a floor and, and pooping in a hole and wiping my butt with water for, for five years, um, I definitely don't consider myself an Aussie. Uh, uh, I, I transitioned to being Asian, so makes me a good fighter and also very good at wiping my butt.
0: <laughs> Where and how did your journey into the martial arts begin?
1: Uh, so I've always had this fascination with uh, martial arts ever since I was a, a very young boy, um, I used to watch uh, Monkey Magic and The Karate Kid and Van Dam and everything like a, a normal kid's duds. Uh, and then I, uh, I always lived on farms. So my parents were horse trainers. So I was the only child and we'd, uh, I'd always be isolated by myself. So I had a trampoline and a BMX. And uh, eventually when I turned seven, got my first motorbike and living on 70 acres, 100 acres all the time. And uh, it wasn't until we were, I was eleven that we moved to Brisbane, and all of a sudden we're in the city and mm-hmm. the suburbs. And uh, a friend of ours said, "Hey, there's a Taekwondo school just up the road." It's like, "Oh, really? Oh, wow, that's amazing! Um, I've always wanted to try a, mar- a martial art." Whether it be, I didn't know what I wanted to yeah. do, it just had to be some sort of martial art. And then, um, our mum was really excited as well. Right, let's go do it as a family. So we, uh, the first night we ran from home to the gym, uh, which is only about four streets away. And poor mum was so pooped that she uh, she couldn't do the session. So I was in the back and just doing all the all the moves like the instructor. Yeah. And then at the end of the class, I told my mum, I said, oh, "I'm, I'm. This is it. I, I want to.
0: You do this. were hooked straight away. I, I want
1: to do this forever. I want to go to Korea. I want to wear the uniform. I want to do the carters. I want to jump in the air and break the boards. I just had this fascination. And then um, did that for approximately a year and a half. I went in a few tournaments. Did really really well. Um, even when we were doing uh, light sparring in class, I always felt like I was. I had an edge even over the adults. I just – my speed and yep. um, even though I wasn't that technically awesome, I was just – just just loved the idea of competing against yep. um, anybody. And just to prove that I was okay, even against the adults, I was like, I don't care if you're bigger. I'm going to be just a little terror. Yeah. And then um, unfortunately the Taekwondo school couldn't make their rant so they moved out. And then um, kickboxing ended up moving in six months later. And it came to a uh, – I, I was sort of lost because Taekwondo is my world. Oh, yeah. I want to be the champ. I want to be a Taekwondo. And then the kickboxing started. It's like, oh, I'll try the kickboxing until I find another Taekwondo school. And then as soon as I tried the kickboxing, I was like, oh, this is this picks all the boxes. There's punches, there's knees. Yeah. yeah. it's I'm wearing gloves now instead of karate uniform. Um, and then it just so happened the movie Kickboxer came at the same time as I was trying kickboxing. And then I, I'm, I'm watching this gentleman, uh, Van Dam, travel to Thailand and fight the scary Thais. And I was like, this is amazing. I want to go to Thailand. I just had this fascination with um, Thailand all of a sudden. And then uh, we kept moving to different properties. And every time we moved, uh, our first priorities of finding a, a martial arts gym because um, that was the only thing that was keeping yep. sane. Uh, being an only child, uh, I was just lost without fighting. It was my happy place because I yep. didn't have many friends. But at the same time, I could make friends instantly when it came to the gym. Yep. Um, and then I got to the, the age of 17, um, we're training in the Gold Coast and I got to fight Mark Peace and, I, and yes. I won my first Australian, um, title in, in Muay Thai. And then at the age of 19, I fought on the Sunshine Coast, um, beating a guy called Scott Lovelock for the South Pacific title. Uh, and that was a really tough fight where I got dropped in the second round. I hang on, hang on, hang on. And then the the last round I ended up winning by knockout, uh, about 20 seconds ago. And then the next day, I'm uh, I sponsored by a Thai gentleman called Richard Vell, who owns yep. bunch of restaurant. And then I took the belt down to, to Richard to celebrate. We got the title. We got the belt. I'm so happy. And then um, he said, oh, last night was a very tough fight. I was, um, you could have gave up, but you showed a lot of heart last night. I think you had the, enough heart to go all the way. Um, how would you like to go to Thailand? I said, oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be so cool. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you can organize your passport, I'll do the rest. So I'll organize your camp, I'll organize your plane tickets, I'll give you food money, I'll make sure you're, you're, you're set. All you got to do is do your passport. So go down the uh, post office, apply for passport. A week later, the passport rocks up. Uh walk down to the shop, hey, Richard, got my passport. He grabs me by the wrist, we walk down to the travel agent, a few more doors down, and I want a one open six-month ticket to Thailand, please, for this young gentleman. And it's like, oh, crap, this is happening. And then... um. He, Richard gave me a stern warning. He said, look, if you have to promise me six months. If you come home within six months, me and you are done. Uh, wow. but, but if you can last six months, you'll make me the most proudest sponsor uh, in the world. Okay, I can do that. So I go to Thailand. And then uh, the first three months I'm training in uh, patio with all the other Westerners. Because yep. at that stage, not many camps were accepting Westerners into their gyms. And then three months later, um, uh, a really famous Thai called Tin Noi, he came to Australia to fight on the Gold Coast. And then The Rich, deadly kisser. The deadly kisser. And then uh, Richard caught up with um, Sang Tan and he was looking after him the whole time he was on the coast, um, like getting him like shave and like a new pair of jeans and a little bit of pocket money here and there and just giving him good hospitality. And then just before they went home, um, Richard um, asked him, oh, I've got a Westerner in Thailand right now. It'd, it'd be amazing if, if you could accept him into the camp. Um, at first they were very apprehensive. Oh, no, we don't like Westerners. No, Westerner's mm. in our camp. They're They're the enemy. And then, um, luckily, through Richard's persuasion, that uh, they accepted me. So as soon as I got back to Bang- Bangkok, they jumped in the car, they come and got me, they accepted me into the camp. And then um, that was my first taste of real, real Thailand.
0: At so, nineteen, that's a a huge move, a, a huge transition. How did you cope? Uh, yeah, it was rough. Just day to day life.
1: Um, so, so we get to the camp, and something's go. All right, let me show you your sleeping arrangements. So I take my little bag and we walk upstairs to the boxer room. Only the boxer slept in this room. And uh, it was a wooden floor and uh, we slept side by side uh, uh, next to one another um, on a wooden floor. Uh, so I tried to, um, yeah, sleep as close as I could to the wall. So I only had one person beside me instead of being in yeah. the middle having two people either side. And then the toilet arrangement was a, a squat toilet where there's a big basin with a plastic tub on top. So you grab the plastic tub, you fill it full of water and, you, and you've got to pour the water into your hand to, to wipe your buttocks <laughs> which was a old bit, school. Which was, a bit, which was a bit scary at first. Yeah, I, I didn't go to the toilet for the first three days because I was I didn't quite know the procedure. Yeah, and then um and then to brush your teeth, you also have to use the same blue container to pour water into your hand or to wash your um
0: toothpaste out and everything else. You want to be doing that before people yeah. dump into it. And then
1: uh, to have a shower, you got to stand on the concrete. You use a, the plastic tub again to rinse your body. You lather up with soap, and then you use the plastic tub to, to wash the soap off. And there's no hot water either, so wow. all year using cold water. Sometimes it's nice and refreshing. Other times you've got to do the count to five
0: and, and count down <laughs> nice and fast because it's so cold. But um, When you look back at that trip, was it more about learning the physical skills or, or about the history, the discipline, and the culture that surrounds the Muay Thai lifestyle? It was a combination of everything yeah. um,
1: the the Thai trainer ahead of the time he said I don't just want to make you a good fighter I, I want to teach you Thai culture so yep. I, I want you accepted into the Thai community so um, every day I, I try and teach myself five Thai words and then every day every day and then eventually after three months I, I could um, I could go down the street and by myself and with confidence yeah um, I could I could count the money and yep. I, I knew how to get get out of get out of trouble. Yep. And, and then the longer I stayed there, um, so yeah. So after six months, I came back, and then the the Thai camp ran Richard not long after, saying, "Hey, with that, we think that kid's got a lot of potential. Can you please send him back again?" So, um, this time Richard said, "All right, we're not gonna mess around. Last time was six months. That was a taste. This time you got to promise me one year." Wow. It's like, oh geez, that's a long time. Um, sure. All right. So then he gave me the speech again. All right, if you can last one year, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, lasted a whole year. I uh, end up having nine fights that year. Uh, I won the first five, and then I started reaching the the top guys. And then I'd only had 22, 23 fights, fighting guys with 200, 300, 400 fights, um, which was very daunting being only 20 years old.
0: Because they don't mind tossing the Westerners in against the good guys for an old-school ass-kicking, do they? Oh, sure,
1: for sure. And then, um, yeah, I ended up winning – no, sorry, I ended up starting fighting on um, Thai TV. I got picked up by the number one promoter in Thailand, so I started fighting on TV regularly. Uh, after my ninth straight win, I, I made the. I was the first Western ever to make the front cover of the Muay Thai magazine in Bangkok, mm. um, which was crazy because the news newsagents are outside. So when you go down the street, wherever you look in the, in a car or if you're driving through the Bangkok, you could just see the the magazines all over the everywhere, and it's like this is the dream. This is so crazy.
0: For those listening that aren't familiar with Muay Thai, a Muay Thai champion in Thailand is held in probably the same esteem as. Uh, a state of origin captain or or, or, a, or a cricket opener in Australia. I mean, they are huge over in Thailand.
1: Yeah, back in the 90s especially when it was yeah. the golden era uh- – so it got to the stage where you'd run down the road and people would flash their lights and beat their horns and all because I was only Westerner. When you
0: stand out, yeah.
1: Um, imagine Sydney being the only Westerner in Sydney. Yeah. That's what it was like because I, I sort of stuck out. <laughs> so we went to the shopping centre and then kids would tug on their mum's shirt and point at me, going, Oh, look at that guy. Wow. He's, he doesn't look like us. And that made me feel like sort of weird and special at the same time. Um, so, you, so you end up staying um, four years full time. And then I did another a year on and off, so three months here, yep. another two months. So. so five years all up. Uh, I think I counted um, approximately 40 fights in Bangkok, uh, most of the majority um, on Thai TV. And uh, so 97 was probably my most successful year where I won. Um, had the nine fights. Uh, for Rang of the Year? For Long of the Year. Yeah. Um, magazine, uh, I think I had like five or six um, fights on Thai TV as well. Um, it was just amazing. Uh, it was just really cool. And then – What's your fondest memory of of that time in your career over there? Uh, fondest memory was uh, probably fighting Lumpini Stadium was the first time. It had been a big dream after watching Raymond Deckers and all these the – yeah. Danny Bill and all these superstars fight there. Um, I'd won my first few fights for Song Choy and then, okay, next fight's at
0: Lumpini. It's like, oh, my God, this is the, the big show. This is the MCG. Lumpinians is, is the MCG. It's the Madison Square Garden, isn't it? Yes, every yeah. young
1: fighter aspires that one day to, to fight at the, the big stadiums. So um mm. when we got to the stadium, I'd, I'd seen Sankin fight there already so many times already, and, and I've been a... a a fan sitting in uh, the ringside watching all the fights and when I was watching them, I'm thinking, I'm okay. Can you fight these guys? They're Mm. unbeatable. You can't beat them. They're just too strong.
0: Yeah.
1: And next minute I'm boiling up and getting ready. And then uh, it's different in Bangkok. So in Australia and Western countries, uh, they have a song and you walk out and all the lights flash, but in Thailand. So when one fight starts, the next fight's already prepared and sitting at the corner. So as soon as that, the, the fight before them is done. As they're walking down the stairs, the next fighter comes straight
0: up. It's just fight after fight it's after. Just, yeah. there's, there's no show. There's no entertainment. It's just fighting. Yes. Yeah. It,
1: it's equivalent to a horse racing here in Australia. Yep.
0: Um, there's there's no resume,
1: taz. Everyone's betting on the fight. Soon as the bet's over, they're off. Next one's up. And yep. then, then, then the bets start again. Um, so, yeah, instead of it, – it's quite bizarre that the – the betting is so important in Thailand because yep. the professional punters they don't have they don't even some guys don't even work they they read the there's a, there's a Muay Thai newspaper that comes out every day they tell you the results of uh, all right this guy's fighting tonight here's his last five so fights. it's like
0: the Saturday form guide isn't yeah, it exactly
1: yeah. so you can read the, you can read his last results or he's won his last three or this and that or, or and they even have um, discrepancies in the weight division so wow. they might they might give a guy an extra two pounds advantage mm. and it's like yeah it's quite um, interesting.
0: If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the legend series, we'd love for you to go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. Best weekly review wins an unfiltered trucker's hat. Mate, we'll check the list off as we go, but it's a a story interlocked by Muay Thai, a, a discipline uh, it's knees, feet, elbows, hands, but it's more than just a sport. For the Par family, it's a lifestyle. Is that a fair
1: call? Oh, for sure. Uh, we've got the gym in Burley Heads that we're running for the last 20 years. Um, uh, in 2002, I was very lucky to get the opportunity to travel to Las Vegas to, to um, teach and train and yeah. fight, and then I remember the – one of the first or second days, I was looking around the gym and all of these posters of this girl with all these trophies and belts and medals. It's like, who's this chick? She's rather hot. And then, um, oh, she's fighting on the same show as you in four weeks. She's hit, She'll be here tomorrow. And then uh, this this girl walks through the door. No, no, uh, we met at um, Master Toddy's camp. I'd been in uh, down the strip in Vegas on Sunday. and been walking through, through the casinos. And then um, when we got back to the camp, Angie was already there. So I remember that I, um, she said hello. And I hit her with the old
0: g'day. And nice. I, once, once I get there with the yeah, g'day, good. Uh, it,
1: was, it was pretty much um, uh, the spider had caught the fly by that stage. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Lovely, young, innocent girl at the time, Angie so Rivera. At,
1: at the stage, she was um, the most famous female fighter in America. Yeah, so and just,
0: very accomplished. She had just won, um, fe-
1: uh, at, at a male and female, she was the fighter of the year for Inside Kung Fu magazine, which is a big deal in America.
0: Can she still kick your ass?
1: Uh cooking-wise, yes. Yes, okay. <laughs> she, anyone that does the cooking in the house, they have priority. So even if I'm winning, uh, she ends up winning somehow. Even <laughs> if I win, I lose.
0: <laughs> the kids are into it. Your old eldest daughter, Jazzy, just loves it.
1: Yes. So Jazzy's had 26 fights now, and she's been, at the age of 17, she's already fought Thailand three times, England twice, and Canada once. Um, so she's seen the world for, for mm. free doing something that she loves. So It's just amazing to see the kids um, – Especially Jazzy, for considering she's been to Thailand, she she goes to the camp. She loves the Thai lifestyle, loves the Muay Thai, um, and then she's just every time she wants to go back. It's like I don't know what happened. I'm I'm so um, satisfied to have one of your kids walking, one of you walking your own footsteps. Yeah. like this is crazy. I, I I hope you get into the sport, but the idea of you going to Thailand as well, like I did, that's um,
0: mind blowing. The spiritual and emotional side of Muay Thai. Can you explain it? Just how much it. That part of your journey means to you, uh,
1: yeah. So, especially being in Thailand for so long, you learn the Thai culture, mm-hmm. and um, uh, just it just helps to have every single element covered. So, if you can train as much as you want, but unless you have the, the big guy on your shoulder when that bell rings, it, yeah. it it's definitely helps. So, um, so uh, my one of my traditions is I like to pray the night before my fight because I'm a bit worried that if I don't do it, if I do it on day of. It might not be a next-day delivery. So I've got, to yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to do it the night before until it arrives on time. <laughs> I don't want done with my prayer to arrive late. <laughs> so I always I pray the night before. And the times I forget, I freaking lose. So I know it's, it's something there because was like, shit. And then i was yeah. like, oh, no, it's because I didn't pray the night before. But when oh, I, I, pray, <laughs> I yeah. know, I know, it's rough. So
0: you're superstitious as well?
1: Uh, in that respect. Um, yeah. Uh, and then Richard, because being a Thai as well, he's taught me the, the Thai culture about um, when you, we do a dance before the, the yep. fight starts. And um, when we do it around Moy, he's, he, he taught me that you're always asking for permission from the earth, the wind, the fire, the water. And and the fifth element is your God. So yep. so you're asking for your permission from the from the gods and you're asking for permission from uh, your camp, your sparring partners, your trainers, um, every single person that's helped you prepare. Yep. And, and then the last prayer is for mum, dad, um, maybe grandma and grandpa that have passed or yep. any relatives, your, your kids. Um, just everybody to give you that inner strength um, for the protection. And um, when times are tough, that I can keep walking through and yep. I got to do it for them, not just myself, but I got to do it for the whole family.
0: When you returned back from the Gold Coast uh, to the Gold Coast from Thailand, uh, did you get kicked out of Thailand? Were you homesick or was it just was it time to come home and, and establish yourself here once again?
1: Uh, so I came back and I fought uh, Daniel Dawson.
0: Yep. And then I beat Daniel the first time and then I went
1: back to Thailand and then uh, about a, a month or so later, I got a, a shin infection. Uh, I woke up one morning and I had this massive red bubble uh, uh, under my shin. Uh, it, was, uh, it was protruding out of my uh, out of my shin, approximately about five or six centimeters. Jeez. And then uh, I showed my, my Thai train. I said, oh, something's wrong with my leg. He said, I know exactly what this is. We better go to the uh, emergency now. He said, oh, this is probably going to hurt. I went, oh, no. So we go to the ER, and then the nurse comes out. She looks at my shin. She goes, "Oh, this is going to hurt." I'm going, oh, can "Everyone stop yeah, the pain Can everyone get off my nuts?" <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the doctor comes in. He goes, "Oh, yep, yep. Looks like you got an infection. We're going to have to lance it." It's like, "Oh no, that sucks." And he goes, "Oh, because it's so protruded and so swollen, and um, we can't um, put any local anaesthetic in it because uh, it's, it's it won't work." So, um. but 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 the good news is, I have got some um, freezing like spray. So then the spray will numb it. And then and then we'll lance it. All right. So I'm. It's very cold. So I'm going to do it on the count of three. So one, two. Then he lanced me before I was ready. And yeah, the, he got me. Yeah. Oh. So they, they had my leg on like a trough with um a uh, uh, steel corrugated. So the blood just went straight into the trough. But it was bubbling out like a wow, like a fountain. And I'm sitting there clutching my leg, going, "Oh."
0: This is and something. were they were they right? Did it hurt? Yeah, yeah, like, they were then. right.
1: And then uh and then I had to get it uh the Cleaned every every day. And get it. Um, uh, the, what do they call it? The, the dressing, the, the, pa- the and dressing, done. and the packing, yep. and everything else for the for about a month or so. And I wasn't allowed to kick. And then I remember the first day after I got my shin lance, uh, six in the morning. The the, the boys are kicking pads. It's like, oh, I'm not allowed to kick for two months. There's no mm. way I can stay for two months and not yeah. do nothing. And so I went downstairs and I told same thing. I said, oh look, I've been here four years. Things are amazing. I don't I don't want to do this, but I think it's time for me to go yeah. home.
0: It's something's telling you, isn't it? Yeah, and then yeah.
1: He, he sort of looked at me and he gave me the cold shoulder. I didn't even say nothing, he just turned his back on me because I was, I was one of the main forms of income for the camp. Um yeah. so so even though I was living for free, eating for free, and training for free, after every fight I'd give him fifty percent of my prize money. And at that stage I was making, say, twenty to thirty thousand baht a fight, which is about fifteen hundred. Yep. So you can have that that's, that's like a month's two months um, mortgage for the mm-hmm. uh, rent and food for the camp and everything else. So for me to go home was a big deal, yeah, and they were quite upset. <laughs> but uh, I was at that stage, it was like, oh, I, 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 I just got to go. So, um, luckily for me, uh, through my sponsors, we helped set up a gym in Mermaid for about five years, and, and not knowing what I was doing either. It's like I need a gym. Yeah, the only way to hit the gym is teach classes, yeah. and and then it was like one of those vicious circles where if I don't teach classes, I don't have the money, and I got nowhere to train. So, so I yep. learned how to teach as fast as I could, and then um as the old saying if you build it they will come and yeah. with it, before i knew it i had like 40 50 60 students and then i started the tracking um fighters like paul briggs shannon Forrester, uh sam harvey from um adelaide yeah. um it was, it was, we had a really good bunch of guys all within six months and then within that time we would become one of the strongest gyms in australia by that stage too because uh let's say we had five boys in the fight we'd had five fights five wins next show four fights four fights four wins mm. so we're, we're dominating wherever we went but it was just um yeah, so it was a really fun time. And then after that, we moved to Burley 2006. and I've been there ever since, and since then it's been going so good. We're very happy.
0: You mentioned Daniel Dawson. Um, some wonderful and thrilling rivalries for you over the years. Multiple fights with Dan Dawson, uh, Scotty Bannon, Chopper Chapman, Bruce McPhee, Michael Zambidis. throw in Alex Tui as well. What a golden era for the sport in Australia. That will be extremely hard to beat ever.
1: Yes, um, before the influx of the UFC too. So yeah. back in the old day, uh, every I think it was Tuesday. For Tuesday night was my Thai night. So, um, yeah, for 10 years we were building stars and then people yep. were keeping regular tabs on who was coming up and who the stars were. And uh, once the UFC sort of dominated, uh, then – the, the magazine stopped printing, the, the shows stopped airing, and then it was just MMA, MMA, MMA. Yep. So then kickboxing got um, the back door. But luckily for me, uh, one championship has come on the stage, mm. and uh, th- uh, I started a, a promotion in 2012 called Cage Muay Thai um, after watching UFC so many times and just having a desire to want to fight in the cage. Mm. Um, so I'd, I decided to do Muay Thai rules. So MMA gloves, Muay Thai rules. As soon as you fall over, you stop, you stand back up, you start again. So we did 10 shows of that. Which was really, really popular, and then um, this a company in Asia uh, won championship. They've taken my idea and run with it, and uh, it's lucky for me that they've signed me to the company now. And um, they're just killing it. They've got a free app, um, and they're getting close to a billion viewers per show. Jeez. It's amazing with Asia, all through China, Singapore, Singapore, Philippines. Mm. Um, they're getting between fifteen and twenty thousand people at the events. It's just so I'm so happy to be fighting for them and and to uh, be fighting uh, on on they cage caged Muay Thai, so I think it'd be rude if they didn't sign me, Consider it was my idea. It was your idea to start with.
0: <laughs> what, what's your highlight or your fondest memory of that, that golden era against the guys we just mentioned?
1: Ooh, so I've got, a, I've got a funny one. So uh, 2004, uh, I got an email from Song Chai saying, hey, we've got this massive uh, eight-man tournament at Rajanamdun Stadium, which is the yep. equivalent to Lumpini in Bangkok. Um, it's 100,000 baht to enter. And then, if you happen to win, it's a million baht for the winner, a world title, and a trophy from the prime minister of Thailand. So, travelled to Bangkok, trained with Ten for three uh, three weeks. Um, not having any idea I was going to go, okay, not uh, end up uh, fighting a Russian. Beat him on points. I fight the French superstar Skabowski. I stop him in the third. And then in the final, I, f- I fired a Thai that had previously beat me three times in the past. Wow. And, oh no, not this guy in the final. He's, I can't beat this guy. And then. Luckily for me, everything was um, in my way. So I yeah. ended up um, beating him on points after five rounds. So, yeah, it was three rounds, three rounds, and then the final was five rounds with elbows. Oh. So, yeah, it was a tough, tough day at the office. But I was lucky to win all three. Um, so I picked up a million baht, which is about 35,000 Australian. And then I had to give half of the camp. So, ooh, oh, that one hurt. That the, hurt, when yeah. You, when you give giving 15K, it's like, oh. When you give him like half of 1,500, that's not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> you give half of oh. And then, um, so then uh, two weeks later, I was competing in Italy. I thought, I'll just stay in Thailand. I'll keep training, um, keep topping up my fitness jumped on a plane travelled to Italy uh, I won that fight as well so then I came back through Bangkok picked up all my gear so now I've got a big novelty check a, a world title on the shoulder and, and a trophy from the Prime Minister and a trophy from Italy and I'm cruising down the airport by myself <laughs> going, going through the airport life's pretty good yeah life's, and a good because the check's written in Thai too all the Thai people could see it was me and Bart and they go what is this and then um, I arrived back in Australia and then I get a phone call from Ray Matsumura saying hey yeah. You wouldn't believe it. There's been a pullout in K1 in ten days. Do you want to go to Japan and fight in K1? Um, sure. So I jump on a plane, go to Tokyo, quickly lose the weight, and then uh, I fought a gentleman called Dwayne Ludwig from America yep. for the elimination for the eight-man tournament. And then uh, I knock him down in the first, dropping him twice in the uh, dropping two more times in the second, and then I end up winning on points. And then uh, so I end up having five fights in four weeks in three countries. So, yeah, crazy, so crazy. So, and then I didn't have any injuries. After five fights, I was sweet. I didn't, I maybe had a little mouse or something. but, but Getting to that,
0: see the world doing something you love. Mate, yeah, that's, and getting
1: that's pa- and the I mean, that's the perfect life. I got the, uh, the, the Thailand thing, but then I also got the contract from K1 as well. So then I had a four-fight um, deal with them, and, uh, and life was just really, really cool. And that was the first time making, like, uh, the 15 grand for the K1. Usually yeah. it was, like, maybe two grand, three grand. And to make 15 was like, whoa. Yeah.
0: The lottery. I won the lottery. Nice. In part two of the John Wayne Parr story, the highlights, the controversies, and the future. Come back soon, legends.